Today's November 6th, which means that last week lots and lots of students submitted the first of what will likely be many applications to college as they apply via early decision and early action admissions plans. And many students are applying by using the Coalition application, which is in its third year of operation. There are over 150 member institutions in this group of schools that started with only 32 at the outset. Some colleges take both the coalition application as well as the common application, and some are just coalition exclusive. So why three years ago did this new platform come onto the scene? What's broke and what do they hope to try to fix with it? How do we know that it's actually working to fix those things? Let's talk about it with my guest today, Coalition Executive Director Annie Resnick. Welcome to The Crush. Hi, neighbors. How's everybody feeling out there? Feeling okay? Counselors, students, and parents of seniors, I'm talking to you. I can definitely say that uh, as this is my first year on the other side of the admissions equation, helping students with their applications, that, um, yeah, holy crap, I have a brand new appreciation for the whole thing. College admissions counselors have their own set of fall wonders to work through. And this year, I didn't find myself visiting a zillion high schools and college affairs and doing interviews and stuff, but I did spend hours and hours with students helping them work through the epic volume of details that applying to college entails. So I can appreciate the uproar a few years back when an entirely new platform for applying was introduced by what was then a small grouping of some of America's most elite institutions. As it has been reported, and I'll link to a few stories in the show notes, the coalition application was formed mainly as an alternative to the common application after a particularly bumpy year in 2013 when basically a bunch of stuff didn't seem to work right with the common application. Colleges, I guess, felt sort of exposed by being so reliant on a single application platform, so a group of schools got together and came up with this other option. While it's my understanding that the rules for membership emerged after the decision by these few colleges to create the new application, the rules are that the college can, quote, meet full demonstrated financial need, which is a loaded concept in itself for another episode, and also that they have a six-year graduation rate of at least 60%. To highlight this fact of their membership criteria, the coalition then added the words for access, affordability, and success to their name. So they became the Coalition for Access, Affordability, and Success, and they implemented some digital tools meant to impact those things. I think we know what affordability means, but just so we're clear, access refers to the goal of getting students into college, while success is the term we use to talk about getting students to graduate from college, yes, successfully. So you'll hear Annie address this in the talk. Now, it isn't hard to find critics of this application and its processes, and the list of criticisms can be long. As I mentioned right off the top in our talk, the email listserv for our National uh, Professional Association, NACAC, has blown up over the last few weeks with criticism about the functionality of the platform, many justifiably pointing out the irony of an application that is meant to increase access being difficult to access. And before I had this talk, I asked some counselor friends what they wanted to know from Annie, and uh, the majority of them said something like, ask her why this one part of it uh, doesn't work, or why it doesn't do this, or do that, or why this is so hard. And I opted not to make this interview just a recorded exchange between myself and the Coalition Help Desk, but uh, I think it's safe to say that she hears the criticism out there and offers a few suggestions here about where to go if you're having issues with the platform, uh, as she has done on the NACAC exchange as well. So let's dig in here to my talk with Coalition Application Executive Director Annie Resnick. How are you doing? 
good. How are you? Oh, fine. It's October. <laughs> it's October thirtieth, so you know. No big it deal. sure is. Yeah. No big deal. Where are you right now? I am in Rhode Island. Is this home base for you? Yep, I'm home base in Rhode Island. Okay. Um, why? <laughs> this is where I live. Um, <laughs> the people live there. And, um, the coalition is here because I was here, and um, we're a remote operation. And so it's more of a coincidence that the coalition is in Rhode Island by virtue of the fact that I just live here. Sure. In the remote island of Rhode Island. Exactly. Right. Okay. Well, this is, as we mentioned, uh, October 30th that we're talking. It's a few days before the first big deadline of the admission season, which is November 1st. It is always a tough week or so for counselors and students, but it feels like it's been kind of a tough week for you and the coalition, at least, if the uh, NACAC listserv is any indication. You know, there have been a lot of messages going back and forth about counselors having trouble with the platform. Is this Does this feel sort of new to you, or is this sort of standard issue stress that, that, that a lot of people experience when it comes to, to using the coalition? It's a good question. I think there are some um, great ideas that came from the listserv in terms of improving uh, the functionality for counselors. I also think that there are a number of messages um, coming from counselors that are really more about um, frustration about the coalition existing at all. Um, and so I think the, I think there, for me, it has been helpful to kind of parse out the two. Where is there information coming from counselors that mean, that I need to create resources or provide um, better tools or look to even improving the software for next year, the development and the design. And then where are there comments or complaints that are being shared that are really not new necessarily for the coalition, but also not providing a lot of sort of productivity or a path forward. So I think for some counselors who, you know, it's it's October 30th and they're trying to get things done and they're working with a higher volume of students using the, the um, coalition than ever before, I think we need to provide better supports and tools for counselors who are generally having a tough week because November 1st is a huge deadline and the coalition is, you know, <laughs> something that has been on their, their list, so to speak, for, for a while. Um, it's also, I think, there's a natural. word I think that goes before <laughs> list that you're leaving out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been on their list. And so I think that the, um, you know, just the tension of the time of year, it is also natural for those feelings of, of negativity to surface right this minute as well. Sure. So like with, it, you know, you're getting a lot of feedback, some of it constructive, some of it just, hey, let me vent to, you know, a digital room of thousands and thousands of anonymous uh, human beings, uh, email inboxes. But um, where does that feedback go? What do you do with that when, when you get when you get constructive feedback that you think uh, could could make the product better? It's a good question. So um, I am really, uh, I, I connect with our technology vendor probably, you know, two to three times a week. Um, and we're, we're sort of constantly working on developing and improving. And I think last year, a huge emphasis was making the process as smooth as possible for students. This year and this fall, we're working a lot on trying to make the process smoother for counselors. And honestly, that, that shift has happened because there are more counselors using the system than there were before. In my first year, there were very few counselors talking about using the system to transmit materials because they either had a system that they were already using 
or you know, for certain universities, they weren't even requiring official documents. So there was really no reason for a counselor to have to use it. And then last year, I'd say there was a little bit of growth with counselor usage, and now there's there are many more counselors who are using the system. And so I think when that happens, you end up with you know, more information from counselors who are, for whom the, the process of submitting official documents is not as intuitive as it could be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is the system. I mean, there are, um, there is definite room for improvement. I think probably the, the you know, next, no, you know, November 7th, which it's, you know, past the deadline, it, you know, it kind of fell at a tough time. But I mean, even as early as next week, we're going to release some pieces to try to um, improve that process of document submission. And I think what it comes down to is attention that probably all people who are dealing with technology in this space face, which is protecting student privacy and student information while also presenting a clear path for supporters to have access to information about students and to provide information on behalf of those um, students. So I think there are some pieces that are kind of privacy and, and making sure that we are you know, creating a clear pathway with respect to those those challenges. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I think it is a new system and it's not easy at this time of year to be facing something brand new. Where's the best place for people to look for help if they need it? So the help desk. So when you're in the coalition system, there's a green button in the left-hand corner that says help. And there's also at this time of year, particularly around deadlines, there's a live chat feature available. And that's been out for probably two weeks. There'll be um, providing live chat responses up through midnight Eastern time tonight and 3 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. And, you know, just trying to provide as much coverage as possible for people's questions. But that's absolutely the best place to get answers or support. I do think kind of going back to that initial comment I made about the feedback on the listserv having two different um, flavors. So green button is is definitely the, re- the place to go for flavor one of I'm trying to do my job and get students the information they need. Right. For, for flavor two, you know, the, I don't know that. Sort of, um, a more, sort of a more acidic flavor. Oh, I was going to say it's a more, definitely more of a, a philosophical, um, you know, uh, flavor. And so um, though th- that kind of a commentary, you know, I think many of those counselors aren't, have, probably don't even know there is a green button. And so I think, you know, the, the best place to come with that feedback is to me or really to any of our member colleges. I think even for counselors who just want it to go away, understanding the reasons that they want it to go away can help to make the overall system and process better. Um, so I would say, even the, uh, as you described it, acidic variety um, of commentary, there's value in that because um, it, it, it's coming from a place that needs to be addressed, even if the actual um, you know, solution of just get rid of the whole thing is probably not going to happen. The place where that sentiment comes from, there's value in, in understanding that. So let me back up and I just want to help folks understand a little bit more about what you do. It seems that you serve a lot of masters. You know, you've got um, the member colleges, uh, you've got counselors, as we mentioned before, you have students that are going to be engaging your platform. What is your job? Great question. So I think at the end of the day, my job is to serve our mission. Um, and our mission is to um, make college a reality for all students, and in particular, to create pathways for students from 
underrepresented backgrounds, lower income, first generation, and otherwise underrepresented on uh, colleges, in, college and university campuses. The member colleges are united in their desire to drive that mission forward. They are also united in their awareness that providing early engagement for particularly underrepresented and under-resourced students is vital to, to changing the trajectory for those students in our country. And so certainly I'm serving kind of that master of, of members, but um, insofar as serving them connects to the mission. Um, and, and with students, I think, you know, serving all students and trying to make it a clear pathway to college for all students, but recognizing that there are students who um, aren't getting what they need in, in any, um, through any mode, and really trying to be thoughtful and conscious of, of that particular group of students, those students that don't um, have a voice or an advocate. And then with counselors, I think, you know, that's, I think, a really tricky breed because I would almost broaden that that um, group to really all educators. You know, there's there are independent counselors, there are school-based counselors, there are community-based organizations who are serving students, there are teachers who are serving as de facto college counselors. You know, there are a number of people who are trying to support students. And so um, I think about that as sort of how can we create um, tools that enable those individuals to have the best information at their fingertips to support students. Um, and, and, and again, sort of in driving that mission forward. I think the, the, <laughs> the interesting part is sort of this application piece because obviously the application is at the center of it, but I spent all of that time talking about what my job is and my role is, and I didn't really talk about the application itself. Right. So what is um, the, you know, if yeah. you were to you know explain it to somebody on the street who maybe has heard about the co the common application, they maybe even use it to apply, but this is a real new thing. What's the difference? Why do you even have, uh, why even have a separate application? Yeah. So I think the coalition platform is meant to engage students as early as ninth grade and create awarenesses of things that um, are, are privileged pieces of information about applying to college that we can often treat in the media or in dialogues among professionals as sort of givens. Um, one of those pieces of information is that starting in ninth grade, you should get to keep track of the things that you did that are meaningful to you. Um, and, and the locker and that tool of free cloud-based storage space is a signal to students who haven't received that message that you should keep track of things throughout high school that you're going to need um, on the other end of it. The collaboration space or the ability to connect with mentors, that tool is meant to help students understand that we know you're not going to be able to do, do it alone, but you probably already have someone in your life who you might think of as a mentor, and that person can help you. So connect with them here. And, and, and this can be a space for you to be able to collaborate with them on your plan and your goal to go to college. Um, the application is really a driver, and meaning that by, by completing the profile, by using the locker and the collaboration space, you're building your record of, um, of, of, of achievement and getting ready to apply to college. It's creating a much longer on-ramp rather than um, having to face the process of applying um, in senior year and, and sort of take on all of the tasks at that time. I think, you know, I was a ninth grade English teacher. I was a college counselor. I, I think about the ways in which um, students who need information the most are the least likely to ask for it and to ask for it early. And so trying to set up a, um, 
set up a system in a situation where the things that you're doing throughout high school are building your application process and it is a part of the work that you're already doing rather than being a completely separate process at the end. Um, and so I think that the system or the technology itself is is driven toward that. I mean, it was a part of the colleges who put the coalition application together. It was a part of their original vision that this has to be broader and bigger, it has to be about more than just um, you know an application. It has to be technology that is innovative and drives, drives forward the mission. Um, and the application, why is it an application? I mean, I've had counselors say to me, everything you're saying sounds great, but why did you have to create an application where there already were applications? Mm -hmm. And I think there, there are two reasons for that. One is students, um, you know, I don't know what, what we're calling ge the generation of students right now, but they are extremely conscientious about the return on their investment of time. Um, you know, no, no matter sort of their... their um, their privilege or not, there there's a conscientiousness that I'm only going to do things that actually matter. And so we've been able to drive student engagement early that other sites aimed at doing some of the same kinds of college preparation have not been able to. And it's because it feeds directly into the application. And so there's that validation and that signal that I really, what I have done here has has not just philosophically or cerebrally prepared me for college, but it has actually prepared me and put me in a position to apply to college. Um, the other thing is that our, our membership itself, you know, to be a member of the coalition, to be one of the colleges or universities that accepts the application, we require each college and university to meet minimums on access, affordability, and success, these three pillars. And, uh, you know, they're it, it surprises many people that there are only about 400 colleges in the country that have a minimum graduation rate of 60%, a minimum six-year graduation rate of 60%. And that's that's the minimum on the success pillar. And all of our colleges and universities has to, have to meet a minimum in each of those areas, as well as kind of a qualifying gold star mark. It is true and not well acknowledged that understanding that some colleges and colleges and universities in this country are going to do a better job of providing financial support and of ensuring college graduation than others. And with our eligibility criteria and pulling together members who have a demonstrated track record for supporting students, we're, we're sending a strong signal as well that your likelihood of, of achieving your goal to graduate from college is, has, has a, you have a much higher potential at these colleges and universities. You know, I think for, for many people in this country who have um, gone to college, there's a little bit of an awareness of like, oh yeah, that's a good school, or yeah, that that yeah, that would be a really good yeah, that's a great idea. You know, think about going to that school, um, and that's privileged information. Um, you know, in terms of families that are coming to the United States for the first time or sending their child to school for the first time, knowing which colleges and universities might pose the greatest um, potential for success is it's a limited piece of of knowledge that we're trying to create awareness around, and it's really the idea. You know, it's really the idea of college scorecard, but maybe a more of an activation of that idea. So you have not yet had students uh, with the ability to apply who may have started this process in ninth grade, right? This is our third cycle ever. So if somehow someone had awareness when we opened the doors on, you know, in April of 2016 um, and they were in ninth grade, finishing ninth grade at the time, um, would they do, they wouldn't yet be applying. So yet. what can you yeah what, so what yes, can you tell right. me about you know 
how you're sort of tracking the success of that component of the application and when you expect to sort of see a return on that and at what level such that you can really say this is a useful part of this platform. Individual member colleges and universities are articulating the value for their process in saying that you know, they're, they're having more students who qualify for a fee waiver apply or, you know, different things like that. But I think you're right in terms of truly enacting on our mission and demonstrating the success of our mission. Um, we're going to have to reach students who have never been in the pipeline before. Um, and that's going to take a lot of work. I think our, our three uh, primary ways to try to drive student usage, usage of students who have never applied to college in the past or historically, traditionally, however we want to put it, wouldn't have applied to college. How do you get those students? Um, and I think one way is we're going to lean on our colleges pretty heavily, and, and they're going to have to shift some of what they're doing in terms of recruitment and make it more about outreach for um, for younger students um, and, and earlier in the process. And, and we've started that a little bit with Coalition Day and some other events that we've done. Um, second, I think we're going to have to connect with community-based organizations that are often working with middle school students and could use better resources to ensure um, the successful trajectory of their students. I think we can play a really valuable and helpful role in that regard. Um, and then I think the last kind of area is thinking about partnerships and connecting with districts or schools or organizations that are serving high populations of capable students who are simply not applying to college. Um, we kind of started that work a little bit um, with, uh, with Michelle Obama before she left office as a first lady, um, where we had a list of schools we called, um, we called them better make room schools, but basically there were schools with high graduation rates um, and low college going High, high graduation rates, um, low college going, low FAFSA completion, but very high um, need, um, as evidenced by the free and reduced lunch camp, you know, program. And so kind of knew these are students who are graduating from high school in high numbers. You knew their students who qualified for aid and they weren't even applying for aid, much less actually, you know, persisting in, in going to college. So that specific list is maybe not the way, but the idea of that list of sort of how, how do you identify and connect with students much earlier. And I do think a huge part of that process is the solution is gonna be technology because if it's students that we, we haven't reached before, then they're students who are not in the obvious pockets of recruitment paths for our colleges. Was the, to the extent that the coalition application emerged as a response to, let's say missteps by the common application during a particularly rough year in, I think it was 2013, I, I wonder about the element of the coalition's mission that is now focused on access, success, and affordability, and the extent to which that was always part of the plan, or how did that kind of come into being against the just sort of broader mission of we need a different application besides the common application? So it's a really good question. I think absolutely colleges and universities got together um, and and, and, and faced scrutiny from their presidents about why they didn't have a backup application. Um, and, uh, and in the face of that scrutiny, knew that they would need to have something else available. Um, there was also um, colleges and universities that were never part of a shared application platform. And for, for one reason or another, the Common App wasn't a viable solution. 
that group of colleges and university includes schools like the University of Florida and the University of Maryland, whose vice presidents were a part of the original founding board. And I think it's a marriage of those two things. The, the idea of um, we'd love to create more opportunities for students within our state by joining an application with other colleges and universities that we can feel good promoting alongside our own institution. And, and maybe that comes with some tools or resources to support students in their college going um, um, culture, uh, building a college going culture in the schools and in the state with um, that group of colleges and universities that was looking for uh, a solution to another problem. And I think it's complicated, a complicated narrative either way. I, mean, I wasn't part of it from the beginning, but I think um you know, I, I don't know the necessities, the mother of all invention who said that, but I think that's part of it, right? When when you're really faced with something that you have to solve, sometimes a really great idea emerges. And I think that is how I like to look at the coalition in terms of responsiveness to, to a problem that occurred. Um, I also think that for, for um, our coalition member colleges who are excited about the coalition and the tools and supporting students and connecting with students who are younger, there is a real um, excitement and energy with collaborating within the coalition. And I, I have to, you know, imagine that if they had found that same type of opportunity in another organization of which they're members, they wouldn't have formed a, an organization to sort of connect, collaborate, and do outreach together in. So I think it's maybe oversimplifying it to say this was a that the coalition is a response to the Common App um, because it doesn't, like I said, fold in these other components that that were out there that became a part of the original, um, you know, the original group that formed the coalition. But um, it, it is also maybe. Um, the best thing that could have happened for ensuring that the coalition formed in a way that was really reflective of the goals and aims of the leaders who, who put it together. And that means that, again, my job is really to serve the mission um, more so than to provide an application that member colleges feel good about so, using specifically. So besides putting together an application platform for students to use and um, uh, leveraging technology as a way for them to get more engaged in the process and particularly earlier among those students that uh, don't tend to focus on uh, going to college perhaps until it's too late or at all. Um, what are some of the other things that you're engaged in or that you're um, helping to facilitate that are seeking to kind of drive that mission forward? So I don't think it's what I'm doing for them. I think it's partially what they're doing um, and, and what I'm helping to organize. So I think right now, the way that the coalition is funded, 50% of our funding comes from member dues and 50% of our funding comes from private donations. And so the mission sort of is the, the galvanizing point of that is is how can we um, connect with and, and, and build resources and opportunities for students. So we have the technology, we have the power of the colleges and universities connecting with one another and, and connecting with students earlier in the process. But I think of myself and, and my team as really the, organi the organizing point of that. Um, I actually think that if the, if the colleges and universities could have done this without um, could have organized themselves without having to create an independent team, they would have. Um, but I think pretty quickly, they they learned that, you know, they, their um, own institutions were sort of staffing and re 
hips are strapped. And so by developing a really lean operation and team, um, we could help uh, help to facilitate some of those opportunities. Um, sometimes I think that, uh, you know, the, you know, we, I, I don't know maybe the best way to say this, but sometimes I think of it as the members themselves. They're they're the the sort of boots on the ground part of this operation. Um, I don't always think that counselors view it that way um, because it is kind of a different operational model than than the Common App, and that's you know maybe the easiest comparison to draw. I don't know if I got there because I heard your question, but I didn't hear all, all the pieces. But I I think I might have been dancing. Yeah, in the that's right. Area. I I think I'm just interested to know you know what. Yeah, what is taking place outside the scope and sphere of just the technological piece of offering a platform and having students apply that is getting to this mission and this goal of helping students get to college who may not otherwise get there on their own? Yeah, I mean, I think the technology is the anchor of that work. And I think the member colleges are the the people delivering it. I guess, you know, um, maybe a good example would be the CCID, which is a um, stands for the coalition CBOID, and it's basically a, a like a CIB code, a, um, like the College Board or ACT offer to a high school, um, and and we've assigned this code, this ID number to CBOs, um, and and we did it for a few reasons. One is that it enables all of our colleges and universities to access uh, a data file of the contact information for these CBOs. Um, a second reason is because it enables CBOs to have greater access to connections with their students on um, the coalition platform on the technology. And finally, it allows students when they're applying to actually select their CBO from the menu for any CBO that's that's registered. And so, you know, initially, I think this felt like a really simple idea, but, um, and it is a simple idea. I mean, it's not, it's not um, super sophisticated, but what it has done is created a, a network, a registry of 300 and, um, I think we have 334 um, community-based organizations and growing. I mean, all the time growing. We had 250 in August. And so I think it's it's creating a space to support colleges and universities and their goals to connect with students, again, who are not typically a part of the process. And we know that um, community-based organizations are at the heart of uh, helping students uh, succeed in college where, where there's not another person or resource to help those students succeed and get to college. What are some specific targets that you are expecting to hit in the coming years? And do you feel like you're on track to hit those? It's a good question. I think the first year, really, it was about making sure the technology worked and it worked. Um, The second year, I think we were looking for a significant enough volume and from uh, diversity of our member institution schools to sort of help assure our relevance. And I think when you're thinking about the evolution of a startup, you kind of, first you have to actually start, that's maybe year one, and then you have a period of time where you're kind of, um, you know, you exist and you're a legitimate thing, but you're not really firing on all, you know, all cylinders. And so I think we're in that zone right now where we need to, to build broad usage with students and help provide resources to counselors to make them feel comfortable with the system. And, you know, I think we're just in, in that, in that phase of growth where, um, you know, we're not firing on all cylinders because we're still basically functionally a startup, but I imagine that our, our growth and usage will increase. I think this year we have an opportunity to, um, we're piloting two, two different things that will help us to lay a, lay a groundwork for, models that others could follow to 
um, to better support um, under-resourced low-income students. So one is a partnership with the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, where all of the students who did not qualify for uh, their Young Scholar Scholarship, which they have, you know, 10,000 students apply and they have 50 spots. So all of the students that the Jack and Cook Foundation already knows know are aiming for college in eighth grade because they're applying for this program and they already know um, that the vast majority of them are from under-resourced backgrounds because that's a requirement of the scholarship program. They, they were getting no support. And so now we're sort of stepping in and saying, hey, we can provide quite a lot of support actually virtually and, and let us kind of help shepherd these students on, on their path forward, knowing that they have a goal in mind and that they represent a group of students that, again, is kind of uh, traditionally underrepresented in, on colleges and universities, on college and university campuses. And then the other is um, connecting with the IDEA Charter Network, which serves a high population of um, first-generation college students. Uh, we're going to pilot with seven schools where we have the students in those high schools adopt um, create a My Coalition account in ninth grade and kind of follow their trajectory through high school and kind of, you know, to your point of saying, how do you know this really works or how do you know this there's really a value add here, um, being able to articulate and demonstrate that um, over the course of the next few years. So I think those two pilots and the success of them are potentially the um, kind of foundational uh, ways in which we're able to connect with other organizations um, and other school districts to provide a value. So I didn't hear anything there about add more member schools or a number of applications processed. Yeah, I mean, I think member schools, I would love to have every eligible member school be a part of the coalition because I think it's so important for students to have a signal about the colleges and universities that are doing um, a great job supporting uh, students from low-income backgrounds. But um, we also can't afford to grow too rapidly. Um, because we're we, we're a lean operation by design. And so um, I'd love for us to add 20 or so schools each year, but we really don't have the capacity to grow more than that, um, at, you know, um, on an annual basis, at least in terms of how, how we're, we're funded and planning for right now. And then in terms of application use, I mean, you know, I think we went from in the first year we had 49,000 applications filed. And last year we had 245,000 applications filed. I, you know, I think there's significance in that just in terms of articulating our relevance and being a part of a national conversation. If we had stayed around 50,000 applications, you know, that that's basically one college's volume, right? Um, And so while those are not, you know, the, the, those are going to be important because if we're not able to have a national presence, we won't be able to fulfill our mission as, as an intended, right? So they matter, but they're, they're not, I would say, um, they're not going to be a way to gauge success. Um, I don't think if we hit 400 colleges and a million applications, people will say, well, the coalition has succeeded. I don't think that's enough. Okay. Last question, because I know that you've got to run. Um, If I look at the members of the coalition board of directors on your website, they're all on the college side. Have you considered adding people on the counseling side to be able to inform the progress and and process of of continuing to do the work of the coalition application? It's a great question. So um, we have just formed and announced a, a leadership council of counselors. And our goal with the leadership council is to try to um, gain gain some of that perspective and direction. I think it will be interesting to see over the course of the next several years how our board evolves because 
it's true that everyone on our board of directors, that, that there's not council representation on our board, but there is actually someone on our board who is not part of the college side. Um, David Wearmouth, he's, he's a, you know, a, a person who works in finance and he's incredibly dedicated to the mission, but it's a very different kind of a, a perspective or role on the board. Um, right now, our bylaws are set up to establish that there are three uh, or it's divided in a third in terms of college representation between public universities, private universities, and liberal arts colleges. And then there are three outside positions that, you know, it, Christine Dillon is another one who, you know, is the sort of retired president of Kofi, who is not technically with a college, but probably most aligned with quote unquote college side. So we do have room sort of from that outside perspective to think about, you know, who, who, who might offer really great um, value. The counselor piece to me feels like kind of a separate thing because I think that what our board of directors is trying to do is to improve the process that certainly counselors interact with on a regular basis, but ultimately the colleges have a responsibility and an obligation as, as the individuals that are admitting students to their campuses. And so um, I think it's more of a sense of this is something we have to own than this is something we will do on our own. Well, Annie, um, thanks very much for taking the time today to talk to me. Where can people keep uh, abreast of what's going on with the coalition? Great question. So, you know, our website is a great resource, coalitionforcollege.org. Um, you can also sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of our homepage. Following my coalition or me on Twitter will um, help give some good um, update or insight, too. So I think, you know, social media, newsletter, website kind of regular suspects thanks a million for your time best of luck with everything going forward thank you so much Gavin. so annie was understandably slammed given the time of year and so i didn't have a ton of time to get into as much depth as i've liked on a few issues but i'm, I'm glad to have gotten the time uh, that I did with her. So in the talk, I asked about the degree to which the coalition application experienced any mission creep from simply being a common app alternative or a backup application for colleges to then becoming about access, affordability, and success. And when you looked at the grouping of schools who first signed on with the coalition, you would notice that most of them were America's richest and most famous uh, and hard to get into colleges. So the two flavors of the criticism that I heard at that time, and full disclosure, my former employer the University of Rochester, was an inaugural coalition member uh, oh, the two flavors were number one it's just super annoying to add another college application to the mix and to the extent that this application will be used by students of every stripe for colleges at the low end of the selectivity scale uh, encouraging some highly anxious families to start thinking about the process of applying in ninth grade to schools like this borders on harmful. And criticism flavor number two is, I hope that these colleges don't think that this is the best they can do or that this is even really going to move the needle to improve access, affordability, and success. So on the one hand, you see these schools as having the most money to be able to meet full financial need, right? And that's a, a component of their membership. And you'll see that by perusing the list, now the membership is pretty diverse, but wasn't ever thus, okay? It first started with, as I said, 32 colleges, among them the most highly selective on earth. And among this breed of schools, the numbers of underrepresented minority students and Pell Grant eligible students in attendance there on the whole rank pretty dang low in our higher ed system. So there is certainly a need to open the doors to more students who typically don't walk through those doors. Uh, uh, and for students who have a hard time affording it and perhaps don't graduate in four to six years. 
But there's a lot that you can do about this. So, I mean, what about doing away with preferences for children of alumni or legacies? Why not open up more seats to transfer students? What about going test optional, given the degree to which success on the test skews in favor of those with uh, high household income? I think that University of Chicago's decision to do this will absolutely have ripple effects uh, through highly selective colleges, and it'll be really interesting to sort of see where this all goes. And what about using some of these vast riches to provide more financial support to middle-income families? The very poor fare very well with coalition schools in terms of affordability, but middle-income earners uh, typically find themselves squeezed out of the financial aid equation. It would be pretty absurd to think that any of these places view membership in the coalition as anything approaching a a panacea here, but perhaps it's one more thing that can help improve matters? The whole thing is super new, so the impact remains to be seen, but I asked Annie afterwards via email about how they might be measuring this, and she writes, about 26% of the students each of the last two years qualified for the fee waiver. I think that is a good marker and benchmark that mirrors the fee waiver distribution by College Board. I think that helps to establish at least a starting point for delivering on the access mission, end quote. You out there can judge for yourselves on this account. And we can continue to keep an eye on stats uh, that the coalition may be putting out to see how they're progressing towards this goal. One of the other things that I didn't get to ask her about, which I think she probably wouldn't have said anything about anyways, is the fact that CollegeNet, the tech company that produces the coalition platform, is suing the common application for monopolizing the marketplace on college applications and had filed that suit before the coalition membership decided to contract with them to create the platform. For a great read on this, I have linked here in the show notes an article by award-winning journalist Eric Hoover of the Chronicle of Higher Education titled, How Admissions Competition Brought New Rivalries, Strange Bedfellows, and an Us Versus Us Lawsuit. I asked an acquaintance who works at a big old fancy famous college who decided not to join the coalition, why not? And one of several reasons I was given was that the affiliation with CollegeNet, given their lawsuit here, reflected poorly on the coalition. It'll be fascinating to see how this all plays out because it doesn't seem like, uh, at least as of today, CollegeNet is, is budging here. Okay, guys, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to share this around. Make sure and write a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show, please. Congrats to all you counselors out there who help students get over the finish line here for early deadlines. I hope you got a stiff drink and uh, some time off waiting for you soon. Of course, the work is not done, so hang in there, everybody, and, uh, and then have another stiff drink and uh, some time off. Move away from the computer screen. Uh, put on your uh, out-of-office message. Your do not disturb uh, whatever it, it requires. And just uh, do you, guys. Thanks for listening, folks. Spread love.